Now we're going to pray one more time. Now, I don't always do this, but I do want you to close your eyes. And I want you to clear every thought of your mind. And Paul's admonition, whatever you can think, good, wonderful, good report, virtuous, pleasant. And I want you to consider the Lord. I want you to see him walking through the cobblestone streets, clad about with the people. On his back is a transom of some 80, 90 pounds. It's part of the cross that he's carrying. Blood is dripping from his hands and from his ankles and feet. Upon his brow is a crown of thorns. His face is unrecognizable. He has been beaten. He's carrying his own cross. There are soldiers in attendance. Some are in front of him, some beside, some behind. Pharisees are walking alongside. They goad the crowd. Jesus stumbles and the transom falls. It causes the soldier to look about and find a man of Cyrene, an African man. He is from the northern part of Africa. He is there to offer his lamb as a sacrifice in Jerusalem. Little does he know that as he helps Jesus carry that beam, He is grasping the Lamb of God. And they journey all the way to the place where Jesus will die. I want you to see him. They lay him down. A skilled soldier takes a long spike as not to break a bone. And with a hammer... In one hand and the spike in another, he angles it just carefully beneath the palm and into the wrist area. And he will drive that spike deep into the wood so that it cannot be dislodged. And from one hand to the next, and then he'll gather the Lord's feet. He'll bend his knees ever so slightly to plunge another into his feet. And then they will together lift up that cross that's been used perhaps many times. They'll plunge it into the earth. His body will jar. He's just a foot or two from the ground. He is an easy eye shot and ear from the attending crowd and there he will die he'll die the death of a criminal he'll die the death of an insurrectionist he will not be just an enemy of the state but he'll be an enemy of all the Jews 
He will spend those hours there until the last gasp of breath is gone. And in tradition, to make sure he is dead, a soldier comes to break the legs of the thieves that hang beside him. But when he gets to Jesus, by order of the Spirit and the prophetic word, not a bone will be broken. And instead, he'll plunge his spear into the side of the Lord and out of it will pour blood and water. And the redemption will occur. And now with your own voice, I want you to thank God for the sight and for the moment. And whatever you can see with your own mind's eye, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary. Amen. I thank you for standing. Then you may be seated. I have often wondered about the biblical thoughts that pass through my own mind. How does a sermon germinate? How does it take form? The inquiry has been posed to me on several occasions. I try to reply, not for me only, but for the many, many preachers and teachers who have instilled the preached word into me. I wonder also if their thoughts were planted by God. I trust as much as true what I thought was my own. In reality, it was God's. In light of this acceptance of where each message comes from and that they benefit the kingdom, God's church, his bride, I stand here compelled to deliver what was delivered to me. And thus we will end our year with one singular truth. Though the Bible is broad, its depth is immeasurable, it seems reasonable for us to close this year's calendar with this thought in mind. Thorns also and thistles. I read plethora of information, stories, um, not necessarily news, but many things that I can get a hold of. At the end of a long journey, one weary traveler made mention of the great joy that he had, having completed the task, not necessarily of the journey. He 
said of his discovery that it was well worth the cost, he mentioned the cost. What he found at the end was not as important as the abiding principle that he left behind, so I I won't divulge his journey or what he found. But the principle was true. That things of value always come with a price. There is joy on the winning side of every battle. When the answer comes or the victory is won, perhaps a healing or some other blessing, when it comes, there is great joy. We've experienced that. I know that joy. I love that moment when the answer comes. Prayer is made. A prayer cloth is given. And then there is an answer. There is a real, bona fide answer. Irrespective of the person, a good answer is always welcome, especially after the struggle. The struggle itself gives greater joy to the answer. It is the diploma at the end of a final difficult year, maybe years of study. It's the bonus at the conclusion of a long work year, maybe the birth of a baby, though the months might have dragged on. At the end of the other side, there is joy. There is a lot of joy. Some of the best moments of any church life is the moments when people are healed or baptized in in significant form or in thematic form. Those years, those times happen in the Easter time. The morning that collects participants like the width of a fishing net. Everybody comes. And in Easter, there is... An excitement. It's the resurrection morning. I remember my mother um, putting all of us in a parade. A, a, it was a processional, a Christmas processional. All the kids walked down the front and we came up to sing. And then when I turned 12, I, I knew I had, would no longer have to carry the cross and it was a little handmade cross, and I didn't have to do that anymore, but my mother begged me to do it. And so I don't know how many years after that I had to lead the children in carrying the cross and, and placing the flowers that all the kids brought. It was a wonderful morning. But in consideration of that weekend, we have to also consider the suffering that Calvary brought. There lies the darkest hours of humanity. The execution of Jesus, the murder, in fact, brings so little comfort until we consider or think of his resurrection. The power of Easter and the Passover is the triumph over death and hell. What he conquered through his death and resurrection indeed makes life worth living. It's why we can be here. But we must never forget that forgiveness was found in an occupied cross, and new life is found in an unoccupied tomb. Think of that for a moment. It's critical that the church does not bypass the pivot point of the whole world. The lamb slain, the cross, a burial in a borrowed tomb close by the congested intersection of the gawking crowd, jeers and tears, a fearful people, a darkened sky, the myriad of other instances that happened. The payment that Jesus made on our behalf has no equal. It's profound. There are no material possessions 
greater than the blood he shed for you. People will boast of material assets of wood and metal, homes, cars, other valuable treasures found and kept. Nations, in fact, hold their securities of precious metals and stones, but none of them, even the cumulative of them, could not pay for the destiny of one single eternal, never dying soul. Peter put it this way, and I quote from his book, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. On this side, there is peace that money cannot buy and wealth cannot give and relationships cannot produce. And none of us will know the whole until the day the rapture takes place. You're going to know the value of your salvation the day that the trumpet sounds. The things we often treasure now will be worthless on the day when the trumpet sounds. The things we wax, that we pay insurance for, that we protect and lock up will mean nothing the day that Jesus comes back. On this side, there is joy. But if we could peer over the edge toward the hours of our redemption, we will find wonders, all of which are grand and awesome, though not all are known in their proper depth. I wish to speak of one tonight, just for a moment, a thorn and a thistle. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, their punishment was more than just being removed from the Garden of Eden. Their absence came with generational conflict. Sin entered and the process of dying began. We are all subject to the after effects of disobedience. The garden was void of trouble. It hosted no toil and no pain. There were no seasons of want, no lacking of any good thing. But all of that was removed when sin entered the world. That was the moment when creation's first couple was removed and cast out into the unknown, untamed world, uncultivated land. Suddenly, we are witness to the elements beyond the border and boundary of God's order. Outside the borders of obedience always lies a world of suffering. It began the day that Adam knowingly submitted to the whims of Eve, and she was tempted by the serpent. Adam, the Bible says, knew the commandment of God. He was not deceived. Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. But he did nothing to prevent the moment. Among the several judgments against them came the response of the earth. No longer would fruit and vegetables, the harvest, come easy. Now, by the sweat of his brow, Adam would have to work to find food. They would both dig into the ground to produce what was effortless before. Here's your Bible. God said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, And you've eaten of the tree which I commanded you. Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. Thorn. It was always considered the curse, held no value, no merit, no use. Its sharpness kept the seeking hand from its reward. 
Thorns were always seen as the inhibitor of the blessing. It was the antithesis of every good thing. In it lay no nutritional value, no beauty, no passion, just the opportunity for pain or to invoke the blood of any who might aimlessly wander into its path. The apostles saw it the same way. They used it as an analogy in the scripture. Hebrews chapter 6 is speaking of the hearts of people, of men, the listening of the earth and the likening of it. Hebrews 6 and 7. I'll read it from the King James. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receives blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. It's nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. I'll read it in another version. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. Watch this. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. The production of the thorn is a worthless land. The book of Judges speaks of a punishment with what it called the desert thorn. The thorn and its sibling thistle was part of the curse levied against Adam and all who would come after him. It was part of the original curse, the land. Famine would often plague people. Many people turned inward. They devolved into a grotesque form of humanity. Some ate the dust of the ground. Hunger pangs and the toil scourged populations of every age. The thorn and the thistle, it did more than just cause hunger. It caused anxiety and fear. It placed the burden beyond the plant life. It was about how to make a living. It's getting up every day to pay a bill. It's the worry and concern about having enough or not having enough. That's what it meant. Economies have fallen a hundred times over. Countries much greater than ours have collapsed. They have died where they stood. The thorn has wiped out more than we have ever known. Many people have their trust in the American dollar. Be careful. Worry came with it. Fear came with it. The curse was certain and it is sure. It mostly deals in the mind. Concern. Great concern. And then anxiety. And then anxiety to depression. And after all of that, I'm still looking to the lamb slain. Often lost in the mix of the Passover story and the wonder of his resurrection is the means by which he suffered. Before he walked to the base of the hill of skulls, Jesus was given a tightly woven crown of thorns. The soldiers were mocking the idea that Jesus was the king of the Jews, a king at all. The crown of thorns was to symbolize a real crown. Only this one held the long spikes of the acacia's woven branches. I stood on a very smooth stone, and engraved in that stone a couple thousand years ago is a game board. It's underneath the earth in Jerusalem. They called it the game of kings. Some form of dice was often cast on that stone. It was the pathway. The Roman soldiers often played the game of kings. And they surely played the game of kings the day that Jesus passed by. Little did they know that the king of kings and lord of lords was in their midst. But he did not defend himself.
And they plaited that, wove that, that thorn, that crown, and plunged it into his head. Thorns, thistles, pain, and agony. Every aspect of Christ's death speaks to the curse of the garden and also of the redemption of people. Every tool of suffering, every affliction against his body points to the payment of our sin, of our shame, and of our healing. Nothing happened in those few hours, perhaps 72 hours, without great weight. That plated crown of thorns was pressed into his brow. It exposed more than just the blood. Isaiah gave us the insight of it when he wrote, and I quote, But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Think of it. The two things, and now the third. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Here is the fourth. With his stripes we are healed. The wounds, the bruising, the punishment, the stripe. The third, the chastisement, refers to a punishment of itself. Our peace has long been seen by Hebrew scholars as a person's well-being or good mental health. So taking the first meaning of chastisement and putting it together, Isaiah would write, because the punishment afflicted on him was so severe, we have peace, our minds are healed, our thoughts are healed. He was bruised, he was wounded, his stripes for our healing. Each part of his suffering spoke to the needs of the human body. Internal, external, the blood, our minds. Thorns, I present tonight, was for the healing of our minds, the great battlefield of life. I'm praying for the healing of our thoughts, a new thought, a healed mind. Instead of thinking on the hurt, or the hurtful, or the hateful. Instead of living in regret, or recalling the wounds that words have caused, I pray that those thorns and thistles would be removed from our minds. The old child's song that sticks and stones will, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. I would rather be broken by a stick or a stone than to have a word hurled at me. It never seems to leave my thought. So consider the words of the apostles of the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt... According to the deceitful lust, here it is, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And tonight, as we move into another season of time, I'm seeking something for myself and for the body that only the suffering of a dying lamb, where thorns were placed, can bring a healing, the battlefield, the mind. I won't delve too far into this, but in my study, I'm reading and thinking about the human brain, the chemical release the center of the body, the mind that sends signals, involuntary measures, all of it coming from the epicenter, the brain. But also is there, there is this willful cognitive ability. And the thoughts affect so many of the involuntary mechanisms of our body. In a more common word, the entertainment of pleasurable scenes or negative thoughts have a real and substantial effect on your body. There are many diseases that originate in the mind. Some chemicals are not released. Others are in too much proportion to what they should be. Heart issues have come from stress that originate in the thoughts and in the mind. 
other enzymes have been released, some detrimental, some natural chemical overdoses, overdoses that eventually numb normal responses. They come in the mind from the thoughts, anxieties of all kinds, fear which leads to high blood pressure, ulcers, pain, other types of stress, the mind, the thoughts, our, our own thinking. They all play a significant role in how we live and how we function. Many people walk into churches and they have regret. They have skeletons in their closet. There is rejection in every pew. Medical scientists are in full consideration of all these things. Some are general and others are individualistic. How you think often leads to how you eat, how you sleep, how you walk, how you dress, where you live, how you talk. Mental health is the overall banner of this mind center issue. And the mental health issues seem to grow more severe as the years go by. In fact, during the last almost two years now, the great atrocity of the world has come through a deterioration of mental health. Thorns, sharp, painful, hurtful destruction. The way we think... Our minds, the flow of it, the positive or negatives, the way we view life, these thoughts can often steal our peace. Thorns keep us from the collective good. It keeps us from collecting the good things that we so desperately need. And there's so much more. In consideration of how I think is how I live. It's how all of us live. And maybe that's why Paul said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That means your disposition. Your mind has a spirit. It's you. Maybe it's the overall attitude, the way we see each other or ourselves, whatever pertains to the spirit of our minds can and must be renewed. They have to be renewed. You have to think differently. You can't function differently until you think differently. You won't be a different people until you think differently. We need a renewal of our minds, the spirit of your mind. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about new thinking. I'm talking about seeing things differently, value systems differently. And when you do that, even your body will respond differently. We think ourselves inept. People do this every day, so they buy things to try to cover up the inadequacies which they think they have. And debt becomes the result of bad thinking. Words, anger, becomes the result of bad thinking. Crippled minds develop and dysfunctional lives are played out because our minds are stained. We have thorns, too many thistles, too many things afflicting us. So when I come here tonight, I'm not just delivering just one more communion sermon, but I'm talking about the element of suffering that Jesus already paid for, and I'm going to claim something tonight that perhaps we haven't claimed before. With his stripes, we are healed, but I've got a mind issue that needs to be taken care of, and there were a crown of thorns pressed upon his brow, and when he did that, when they put that on his head... There's a healing for every thought that came through my mind. Mm. 
I'm looking for a new disposition, not for myself only, but for everybody. We have to think differently today. In fact, when we see our world, we should not see them as some towering figure above them. We should not kowtow or recoil, but we should see them as lost sheep, and you have the answer for them. When you see the world, you ought to see a dying people, and you ought to know that you have the answer for them. When you see the body of Jesus Christ, you ought to see the blood-bought body of Jesus Christ and you have help and love for them and compassion for them. When you see the church building, you ought to see a dedicated house of God. When you see yourself, you ought to see that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. But as Paul wrote, you have to put off the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You have to remove from yourself the language that you used to speak. You ought to put aside every word that you used to say that is detrimental to a bad thought. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. I wonder what would happen in this house if all of us had a new thought and every painful thing and stressful thing and all the rejection you've been dealing with for all of this time could be put away from you. I stand to proclaim Jesus took that already. Don't let the devil put a thorn back in your mind. Now you will stand here and you will pray for the healing of someone's body. You will pray and you will believe in a Jesus name. You'll, you'll pray for every cancer cell. You'll pray for deaf ears and blind eyes to open. You'll pray for all kinds of healing. I'm praying for a healing of everyone's mind of your thought. I think we ought to be just as intentional to have a brand new thought and a brand new renewed spirit in our mind as any other thing. Because when we go through conflict, we're going to have to have a new thought. That it's not the end, it's just the beginning. And when the world wraps up and you have trouble, that the Lord has not forsaken you, but that you are still under the auspices of a blood-bought bride of Christ, you are still part of the body. You have to have a new thought. Because a new thought provokes a new response. My response comes from my thought. My words come from the depths of my thinking. And when I talk about a new heart, I'm talking about the brain center too. Because in the heart and the mind, that all becomes the desire of my life. And when Jesus took the crown of thorns, it means he paid the price for all depression and all anxiety and all fear and all doubt. And the great conflict is not, is not what we have in our hands. It's what we think in our minds. Do they love me? Do they not love me? Am I accepted? Do I fit in? Does anybody care? I want to tell you, the Lord cares. The church cares. Those are thorns of the devil. He would keep you from every good fruit. You need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm going to tell you, the curse was broken when Jesus allowed them to put the thorns on his head. Now you're still going to have to work for a living, but you don't have to work for a clear mind. you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. Jesus paid the price. Now Jesus paid it all. 
Jesus already took it from you. Jesus gave you a new heart and a new way and a new thought. His crown of thorns paid the price for all fear, doubt, even the memories. Things that can be felt, maybe not seen, he did that. I'm almost through, but I, I'm, I think it's the years of, of this vocation. I've seen too many grown men and women playing out in their grown lives and adult lives the suffering, the neglect, the lack of affirmation in their childhood. I've seen too many people trying to recover something that cannot be recovered. I've seen too many people worship on Sunday, struggle on Monday, praying they can get back to Sunday, treating the church like a a gas station, a gasoline station where they could get filled up just to make it another week. It's not the design of God. That's not the will of God for our lives. I don't want us just to be a, 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 a people that come to get our fix. I want us to be overcomers, powerful. Not arrogant, but bold. Not pitiful, but humble. Not proud, but confident in the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what you need, ma'am. Listen to me. You need a new mind. Because the thoughts that you're thinking and have been thinking, they're destructive. They're corrupting you. They're hurting you. They're destroying your home, your children, your family, your friends. It's like a slow decay. It's rotting you from the inside out. People one day will look around and say, where did they go? What happened to them? It happened a long time ago. They had a bad thought. And it crept into their heart. And all of a sudden it metastasized into something that overwhelmed them. You didn't know it, but they were thinking bad things all along. I want to say today, it's time for all of us to have a renewed mind. A renewed spirit. I'm praying today that when I take communion, I'm remembering the crown of thorns that he, that he took on his head, his brow, every thought in my brain, Lord, in Jesus' name. Clear every thought. I'm going to take into captivity every stray thought. I'm going to bring everything into captivity. I'm going to think about the... I'm going to think about the Lord. I'm going to think about pleasures in the kingdom. I'm going to think kingdom thoughts. I'm going to think about the church. I'm going to think about love. I'm going to think about your grace. I'm going to think that they're going to be saved. I'm not going to look at somebody else and wonder. I'm going to know that I'm loved by you. If nobody loves me, I'm going to stand tall. If my world comes down, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. Yes, yes. If you listen to someone talk long enough, they'll tell you everything that they've tried to bury. I don't want to know, so let's not talk long. If I listen close enough, I'll find the thorns. But I believe that the Lord wants to heal us. I'm talking to the Pentecostals here now. 
Many Pentecostals become subcultures. We know how to operate here, but we don't know how to operate outside of this building. That's a subculture. That's a group of people who know the songs and the function. They put on their church-going clothes. They put on fake smiles. They know when to clap, shout, rejoice. They rise with the high. They fall with the low. But they do not know the peace of God in their day-to-day lives. I don't want us to be a subculture. When you understand the other side, I stand here to say there's joy on the other side. I want you to have as much joy on Tuesday morning as you do on Sunday morning. I want you to walk in the spirit on Thursday evening just like you do on any massive revival day. When a song comes to your mind, I want you to be able to sing it. doesn't matter if you're on pitch, on key. If you know all the words, just make up whatever you don't know. I want you to walk around singing in the Holy Ghost this year. I think the church of the Most High God ought to be a joyful people. I don't often do this, but I I want to do it right now. I want to take dominion over every stray thought and the devil and the device of the devil against your mind and against my mind. And I'm praying right now for everybody that you would be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the moment you start to say something you know is affliction, you just say, no, that's a thorn. I can't have that. Because you'll have no fruit if you only have thorns. Come on, everybody. We are the church. We're the only hope for our city. And we cannot, can you hear this? And we cannot reach the lost if we are dysfunctional in our thinking. We cannot reach a world that's crumbling if we are dysfunctional in our thought. You're dealing with regret and rejection and suffering and pain and anxiety and a lack of affirmation. We've got to be healed in our mind. He took it on his brow. He took it. He took it. Give it back to him. Give it back to him. I'm free. I proclaim right now freedom here tonight. Freedom. Freedom. I proclaim freedom right now in Jesus' name. Let, their, let the people be free, Lord, from every bond and affliction, every stronghold of their thoughts and their mind. Let them be free, Lord. I pray right now, let them be free right now. I pray, let the people be renewed in the spirit of our mind right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name. Ah. I know this may sound a little strange to you but if, but if you want to join me in this you don't have to but if you're enjoying this put your hand on your own forehead and pray pray right now for your thoughts and your mind pray right now in Jesus name I pray Lord that you would heal my mind my thoughts pray right now in Jesus name let the blood of Calvary let the blood that spilled from your own brow cover my thought and my mind and my thinking Jesus name I pray for my mind Lord for my thoughts Lord let it begin right here Lord the way I'm thinking what I consider what I allow in my mind 
come on put your hand on your ear in Jesus name Lord let me protect my ears and what I hear Lord I don't want anything to pass through my ears Lord that would affect my thought that would be negative toward my thought don't let any thorns creep through my ears and through my eyes Lord I pray let nothing come out of my mouth Lord that's not pleasing but edifying let it, let it, let it speak grace to those that hear it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You allowed that tool now, Lord. You allowed it. You allowed it. It has significance for me. It has significance for me. I pray for all the people who have self-complexes and insecurities in this building. I pray right now in Jesus' name. And I take dominion over those things. I pray let them also take dominion over the insecurities of their life. It has led them into places they should not be. It's inhibited their authority in the Holy Ghost. Help us to be free from the self-complexes and our insecurities, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Take that thorn away from us, Lord. Help us. It bears no fruit. It bears no fruit. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me now, if you will. Oh, I feel this. This is the moment. This is our moment for communion. Here's our moment. We're going to remember the Lord's death. We're going to remember the crown of thorns. I want our ushers to come and help us, if you will, help us with, with our communion. And when you, when you get your cup, inside of that cup is, a, is, a, is the bread. And just be very careful as you open it up. Now, are they coming down? Help me. Are they coming through? Or are you are you serving them, gentlemen? You're serving them. Would you serve them? Are you doing that? Thank you. say that with me again 
It's renewing, restoring, saving and healing, delivering captives, setting us free. It is life everlasting to all who receive it, your blood. It's more than enough. Someone say... It's more than enough. Amen. It's more than enough. I love you, Jesus. I worship you now, Savior Lord. And before you receive communion, let's just pray that the Lord would clean our hearts and our minds right now come on pray clean my heart my mind the thoughts of my mind creating me a clean heart oh god renew within me a right spirit purge me and i'll be clean don't take your spirit from me lord but clean my heart clean my thinking jesus jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want you to pray this right now. Lord, every word that I speak, let it minister grace unto everyone that hears my word. Come on, say it now. Remove from my language all things that are contrary to your will. Remove from my, from my communication everything that's contrary to the kingdom. Come on, everybody, pray it, pray it, pray it. I'm provoking you now to good things. Pray it. Come on, you got... And if, and if you don't know where to start, start with your thinking, Lord. Help me to think thoughts that are, that are your thoughts, Lord. I want to think your thoughts. Come on, pray it. What are your thoughts, Lord? Put them in my mind, Lord. That's right. Now we give thanks. Come on, let's give thanks. We give thanks for the cross. We give thanks for the cross, for every nail, for the striking of the whip, for the crown of thorns. We give thanks. Hallelujah, Jesus. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the new test of my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he come take eat this is my body which is broken for you remember me we take the bread <laughs> this cup is the new testament of my blood this do ye as often as ye drink it Remember me. We take the cup. (laughs) 
Yes, 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 yes. Ho, ho, to you, Moha. Ho, ho, to you, Moha. 